Welcome to the Waukesha Bible Church Podcast. We believe the Bible tells a single story, and at the center of that story is Jesus. If you like what you hear today, additional sermons, teaching sessions, and written material can be found on our website at waukeshawbible.org. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Our text this morning is John 14, verses 1 through 6. Jesus says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What a great day. He is risen. risen Welcome home to hope. Welcome home to hope. Today is a great day day of confession. We stand in the line of a great legacy reaching all the way back to ancient promises. And today we stand united with all who love the Lord as expressed in the triunity of God, confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God the Father has raised him from the dead. Amen. Amen. When Paul was explaining the gospel in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10, he said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that you believe in your heart that God the Father has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. When Peter and John stood before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, in verse 11, Peter says, This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. When Paul wrote to his pastor student Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he says in verse 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. And finally, Paul in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, he writes this concerning our Lord. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, So that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And it will be to the glory of God the Father. Today, like all days, and yet unique. Because we remember our past and stand firm in our present by openly declaring that Jesus Christ is Lord and Jesus Christ is alive. He is our commentary on our crooked and perverse culture. He is our answer to humanity's problem. And he is our hope, our healing, and our wholeness when all around us there is despair, disease, and dysfunction. Hallelujah, Jesus is alive. Let us have a word of prayer and then we'll begin our study in John chapter 14. Father, today, as your people, we openly and publicly confess that Jesus is both Lord and alive. We know that such a confession is generated by the Holy Spirit and honors your name. 
We know we stand with all churches today who align with such a confession. We pray through strength and numbers. We will not bend nor bow to the cultural pressures of our nation and the political persecution facing many of our brothers and sisters elsewhere in the world. We stand united with them in confessing that Jesus is alive. Grant to us the joy of knowing you this day as we look at your word. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to see your glory, to smell the incense of ascending prayer, and to hear the sweet voice inviting us to the throne of grace. May this day empower us for what lies ahead. Help us to know that this is the day the Lord has made. May we rejoice and be glad in it, knowing your plan is coming to pass. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Does this day for us as the people of God offer any real and substantial hope in a fallen and failing world? Today is Resurrection Sunday. It is a day his church specifically notes and celebrates his resurrection from the realm of the grave. The Apostles' Creed notes how he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and buried. He descended into hell, but on the third day, he rose from the grave and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from which he will come again to judge the living and the dead. On this day, like all days, the church with one voice seeks to loudly and widely proclaim that Jesus Christ is alive. That's what we are doing as a gathered church. We are confessing that Jesus Christ is both Lord and alive. He is real. The great governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura, once said, Organized religion is a sham and a crutch for weak-minded people who need strength in numbers. It tells people to go out and stick their noses in other people's business. Another said, one would go mad if one took the Bible seriously. But to take it seriously, one must be already mad. Count me in. The problem with religion, another wrote, because it's been sheltered from criticism, is that it allows people to believe in mass what only idiots or lunatics could believe in isolation. Does this day offer us any real and substantial hope in a fallen and failing world? Has the surety and assurance of this resurrection day shaped in any way our response to the pandemic? Is the Bible true? Or have we as a people been hoodwinked, duped, deceived and conned? Does the Bible teach a single unified story and does Jesus lie at the center of this story? Our most emphatic answer as a fellowship is yes. The Bible is indeed true. It tells a single unified story and at the center of the story is our Lord Jesus Christ. There are a million areas of white noise calling out for our attention, but there is only one thing necessary and only Jesus can meet that need. Jesus offers us a real and substantial hope, not just for this life, but for the life which is indeed to come. Our text read is John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. I'd like us to put it into the context of John's gospel. You'll remember from Palm Sunday that chapters 1 through 11, Jesus is described as one who has descended from heaven from the Father. It culminates in chapter 11 with the death, burial, and resurrection of Lazarus language which we assign to Jesus Christ. But in shadow form, we meet Lazarus. The substance, the fulfillment of that type is Christ himself. In chapters 18, 19, and 20, the death, burial, and resurrection. 
But before we get there, as he ascends to the Father through the horrors of the cross, we come to chapters 11, 12, and 13. 11 with Lazarus, 12 Palm Sunday, and now chapter 13. If you look at chapter 13, it tells us three things. It tells us of the death of Christ, the betrayal of Judas, and the denial of Peter. Notice the opening words of chapter 14. It says, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Now, why would their hearts be troubled? Notice, first of all, in chapter 12, verse 27. In chapter 12, verse 27, we read these words. Now my soul has become dismayed. And it's the same word that is found in chapter 14, verse 1. What shall I say, Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I came to this hour. And then in chapter 13, verse 1, the Bible says, Now before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The first thing we see about the context of hope found in John chapter 14 is that Christ says to his disciples that he's going to die. And if we've learned anything over the last several weeks, we have seen that they had a misconcept as to what it looked like when Jesus came. They were expecting one thing and Christ presented something entirely different. And thus he announces to his disciples that his death is imminent. It's coming. It's right there. And this cast a shadow of darkness upon them. The next thing we see concerning the context of hope uttered in chapter 14 is found in chapter 13, verse 2. Notice what the Bible says in the same context of Christ announcing that he is going to die. Now, he's been telling them this all along, but now they sit right at the front end of it. In chapter 13, verse 2, it says, And during supper, the devil, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, to betray him. And then notice verses 10 and 11. Jesus said to him, He who has bathed needs not only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. Verse 11. For he knew the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. So that here they sit in the upper room. John gives us information that's not shared in the other three Gospels. John begins to paint this very dark picture. Jesus is going to die. Judas is going to betray him. This idea of betrayal is he's turning him over. We know that. For 30 pieces of silver, Judas sold Jesus out. That whole tone is setting the stage for what is about to be uttered in chapter 14. Then notice the denial of Peter. Chapter 13, verses 36 to the end of the chapter. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus answered, where I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you right now? I will lay down my life for you. We've known this thought before. Jesus answered, you will lay down your life for me. Truly, truly, I say to you, a rooster will not crow until you deny me three times. Think of the atmosphere of that upper room. The death of Christ is imminent. We know that Judas is going to betray Jesus. He's going to turn him over to his enemies to be killed. We know that Peter is going to deny Jesus. He will disown Jesus. He will claim that he never knew who Jesus was. 
That's the context. And if we were to place ourselves inside that upper room, there would be this sense of gloom and doom, of darkness, depression. What are we to do with this? We thought when Jesus came, when the Messiah came, all of our problems would be solved. But here's where we sit. Now notice what happens in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 1. Jesus says, do not let your heart be troubled. One of the problems that I have seen over the course of this last year is that we have spoken of the virus as only impacting the body. But has not the virus impacted more than just our physical bodies? Has it not impacted, as it were, our soul, our heart? We have been in great turmoil as a people. We have had despair because of disease, which has led to dysfunction. How do we find hope? How do we find healing? How do we find wholeness in the midst of all this? And thus Jesus says to his disciples, do not let your heart, your soul, be troubled. Let it not be distressed. This same word, troubled or distressed, is used in chapter 11, verse 33, concerning Jesus. Chapter 12, verse 27. Then John chapter 14, verse 1, and then in verse 27. Let not your heart, let not your soul be agitated, be troubled, be disturbed. And why? Well, Jesus gives us hope. He says to us, welcome home to hope. There are four things in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6, that I would like us to consider and look at. And why? Because I want us to leave here filled with hope. He is alive. He is Lord. And listen to what Jesus says to his disciples in this very dark context. First of all, in verse 1, do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Our hope is first and foremost in a person. What's startling about the text is when it says you have believed in God. Now remember, they're coming out of an Old Testament context, Old Testament theology. They believe in Yahweh. They believe in the promises of Yahweh. And now Jesus says to them, just as you have believed in Yahweh, now you are to believe in me. That same faith, that same belief is to now be received by me from you. The hope that we have in the midst of our darkness is Jesus. We hope in Jesus. It is interesting, in John chapter 10, verses 30 through 33, Jesus says in verse 30, I and my Father are one. We will see later on in John chapter 14, verses 7 through 9, Philip says, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been so long with you? Don't you realize, Philip, that those who have seen me have seen the Father? Thus, as you have believed in him, believe now in me. Our hope is in a person. The second thing, notice in verse 2. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place, we'll note that in just a moment, but our hope is not only in a person, but in a place. Think about what's happening. It's a pilgrim feast. The city of Jerusalem has swelled by tens of thousands of people. The crowds are intense. You can go nowhere to find space, and yet Jesus says to those who would believe in him, I've got plenty of room in my house. Come on over. 
come on in. And he stands with open arms saying, welcome home to hope. There is a place prepared for us by Jesus Christ that we are to occupy with him forever. What's equally interesting about the text is that Jesus is not only speaking of something that is future, but he ties it to what is past. When we begin the book of Genesis, God prepares a place called Eden. And in that Eden, there is a garden. And in that garden, God would encounter his people for their joy. When we end the book of Revelation, we know that there is a place prepared by God for his people, for their joy. And Jesus says he is now going ahead to prepare that place for us to join him for our joy. So we look at our life in the horizontal. Jesus has announced that he's going to die. Judas is going to hand him over. Peter is going to reject him. Yet in the midst of that, Jesus says, be of good cheer. Let not your heart be troubled. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. As you have believed in God, now believe in me. And I am preparing for you a place. Welcome home to hope. The third thing we see is found in verse 3. It says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Throughout the biblical record, we have this reoccurring theme. As I have been, so will I be. In Acts chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, it says that as he has left, so shall he return. Jesus says to his disciples in this place, I am leaving, but I am coming again. Not only do we have hope in a person, his name is Jesus, but in a place being prepared by him for us, he will receive us unto himself so that our joy may be full in him. But he leaves us with a promise. He's leaving, but he's coming again. The language that Jesus uses is very graphic. It was customary for travelers in those old days to send some of their party on in advance to find lodging and make arrangements for them in some great city. We see this in Matthew 21, just prior to his triumphal entry. He sent his disciples ahead to secure the colt. We see it again in Matthew 26 when he sent some of his disciples ahead to prepare a Passover meal. And now Jesus says to his disciples, I am going ahead, and I am preparing for you a place. And be assured, just as I have left to prepare this place, I am coming again to receive you unto myself, so that where I am, there you may be also. Welcome home to hope. In the midst of all the darkness that we have and face in the horizontal, Jesus Christ extends to us hope. This day resonates and celebrates the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. The last thing we see is found in verses 4 through 6. Not only is our hope in a person and in a place and a promise, but finally in a pathway. Notice what our text says. And you know the way where I am going. You know what I have told you, and I told you where I am going. I have already given you these promises. And Thomas said to him, Lord, just as Philip said, Lord, show us the Father. And Jesus says, have I been so long with you, and you still don't get it? Those who have seen me have seen the Father, because I and my Father are one. 
And now Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And again, think of all the anxiety that these disciples had in that context. They were hoping for one thing and seeing something and experiencing something the opposite. They were looking for victory and light and they were seeing and feeling defeat and dark. And Jesus assures them that they have hope in this life and in the life which is to come. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Our hope is in a very defined pathway. What Jesus offers us, and I find this interesting, isn't restoring our earthly relationships or paying off a stifling debt or being released from a crushing and abusive situation. Jesus will not stop Judas from betraying him. Jesus will not stop from being killed. Jesus will not stop Peter from denying him. But in the midst of all that, Jesus offers to his disciples a substantial and real hope. We can have hope in this life and in the life which is to come. How? By believing in the person. And the person is the place. The person is the promise. The person is the pathway. Welcome home to hope. Jesus Christ is the hope that you and I have as the people of God. And we have gathered together as the people of God to celebrate the hope that we do have in Christ Jesus. He is Lord, and indeed he is alive. With all that has happened, with all that is happening, and all that will happen, there is one source for true and assuring hope healing, and wholeness, and it's found only and alone in Jesus Christ. We know that he is our hope. We've come together as the people of God to celebrate such a truth. If you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior from sin and death, if you don't have hope and you are consumed by all things in the horizontal, and you have no idea how you will ever stand before God when you die, then let me offer you Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. God offers to us in the person and work of Jesus hope, healing, and wholeness. He offers to us the one means of entering into his presence, and it's through Jesus. At Waukesha Bible Church, we simply say, you can't. Why? For there is none righteous, no, not one, and for the wages of sin is indeed death. You cannot save yourself, but God can and Jesus did. That's the hope we have in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Will you accept this hope? As the people of God, we have gathered to confess that Jesus Christ is indeed Lord and that Jesus Christ is alive. Welcome home to hope. Our hope lies in a person. The person is the place. The person is the promise. The person is the pathway. And in Christ and in Christ alone we have hope. Welcome home to hope. 
Most of you know that our daughter and her family live in New Zealand. The last time we were able to visit them was last March, a week before they shut down the whole country. And even now, you cannot enter into New Zealand without being a resident or citizen. And so we've been isolated physically from them for over a year. And we are very, very thankful for FaceTime. We get to see them through video. But when we have opportunity, and I trust it will come soon, we'll be able to travel once more to New Zealand to see our grandbabies on the other side of the world. It's a 24-hour trip from door to door. You get on a plane, you wait in airports, you drive in cars, and you get pooped out at the other end. And you just hope you don't chew your arm off in the process. And the older you get, those 24 hours seem longer than 24 hours. But every time the plane lands, you start looking. You start looking. You look over people. You look through people because you're only looking for one thing. You're looking for those grandbabies. And then you spot them and your eyes connect and they start running. And you get on your knees and you open up your arms as wide as you can. And when they hit you, you're like, oh. It's the greatest feeling in all the world. It's as if heaven and earth collide. And all you can think of is welcome home to hope. Jesus Christ has gone on ahead. His arms are extended wide, and he's waiting. He's waiting. Soon, he'll get the nod from the Father, and he's coming again to receive you unto himself, that where he is, there you may be also. And in that moment, your joy will be full. Welcome home to hope. That is what is sustaining us in the midst of darkness, disease, Death, despair, and dysfunction. In Christ, we have a hope, a real and substantial hope. And this morning, we gather around that gospel, that good news. No matter what others might say, we hold fast to Christ and to Christ alone. If you do not know Jesus as your Savior from sin and death, I would invite you to speak with me afterwards, and I would love to share with you more. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell, but on the third day, he rose and sits at the Father's right hand, from where he will come again to judge the living and the dead. And we believe as a people in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of the saints, the forgiveness of sins, and the resurrection from the grave. And life everlasting. Amen. Please stand with me as we close in prayer. Our Father, today is a day of great confession. We do indeed stand in the line of a great legacy reaching all the way back to these ancient promises. And today we stand united with all who love the Lord as expressed in the triunity of God, confessing that Jesus is Lord and that God the Father has raised him from the grave. And no matter what is going on around us in our world, Jesus Christ continues to be our hope, not just in this life, but in the life which is to come. 
And so we look to him to do for us what we could never, ever do for ourselves. May this day be a day of joy, of hope, of confession. May we be encouraged knowing that right now he is preparing for us a place where we will be with him forever. And just as he has left, he will come again and receive us unto himself that where he is there we may be also. Father, we preach Jesus only and alone. In his name, amen.